Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for enabling us, for Lord, privileging us to be a part of your great, great plan. Your plan, Lord, to save the world, to reach the lost, Lord, to to bring them the old, old story, Lord. And as we do, thank you, Lord, for the blessing it brings to us. The clearer we see it and even want to stay and, and weep a little bit while we hear the grand message, love paid the ransom for me. And now, Lord, do help us as we look and see exactly what love paid for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, we're going to look at this amazing passage here to once again follow in on our theme of Behold the Blood. And this is one of the great accomplishments of the blood that we're going to look at tonight, which is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Hebrews 10, verse 10, which says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So it gets that offering once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering, and here's the next really important phrase, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. All the time offering same sacrifice, never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin of these. Having, having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, that's our verse. That last one is the verse we want to really focus in on. Verse 19. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, in order to really get an understanding of what that verse means, it starts off by linking when it says, having, therefore, Verse 19 starts off, having therefore. So we gotta ask the question, what is that? What is that having therefore? And again, what we're gonna study here, what we're continuing on is the great accomplishments of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the blood of Jesus. When he gave his last words in John 19, 30, when he said, it is finished, what he said literally were the last two words of Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 31, ki asa which means that he said, 
ki asa, which means it is accomplished. It is accomplished. And so we've been setting out on this journey to find out what did he accomplish? What did his blood accomplish? This journey has brought us to see from Hebrews 9.22, his blood accomplished the removal of our sins. We've seen from 1 Peter 1.18 through 19, his blood accomplished the redemption of our souls. We saw from Leviticus 17.11, his blood accomplished the covering of our sins or what's called atonement. We saw from Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13, his blood accomplished the reconciliation between us and God. From 1 John 1.17, we saw his blood did the marvelous, wonder-working power of cleansing us internally for, from the internal crisis of sin, the defilement. We saw from Colossians 1.20, his blood accomplished the peace with God. We saw from Romans 5.9, his blood accomplished justification. He, we saw from Revelation 7.14, his blood accomplished giving us white robes. And we saw from Hebrews 13.12, his blood accomplished our sanctification, set apart for him. And last time we were together on this subject, we saw from Revelation 12.11 that his blood accomplished the overcoming. Great accomplishments when he said it is accomplished. And now on to a new accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus, which is this boldness to enter into. This boldness to enter into. So as I was saying here, in order for us to understand verse 19, we gotta see what having means. Having therefore. What is it that we have? What we have is given to us in verse 12. We have one sacrifice for sins forever. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. He sat down. The work was done of the sacrifice. There were no seats in the tabernacle. Go look. There's no seats in the outer court. There's no seats in the holy place. There's no seats in the holy of holies because the work was ever going on, and that's what's emphasized, sacrifice after sacrifice. But the Lord Jesus when he offered his one sacrifice forever, he sat down. It's finished. So what we have from the Lord Jesus is the one sacrifice for sins forever, forever. It's the end of all sacrifices. His sacrifice was the one sacrifice for sins forever. And then from verse 10, from verse 10, we saw that we have, as he says there, the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Same idea, once for all. Now, that's, those are great words, three words, once for all. Focus and think on the word all, all. What is it that it was all? In order to see that, try to imagine yourself in Moses' day. Try to imagine yourself in Moses' day and think of the word all and what that meant. What, that, what, that, what would that mean for you as you were living in Moses' day? What did that mean, the all? All meant that all the sacrifices that you had to offer back in Moses' day before the Lord Jesus came. Think about all and how it would mean this disturbing cloud. You saw the picture of the Orthodox man there. He's got the, the yarmulke and the, 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 the all kinds of things. Traditions, traditions, traditions. 613 laws. If you ever go, I've never gone to an Orthodox and say, I got a little bit of time here. Can you name me all 613? I never had anybody do it for me. But anyway, it's all, and it's all, and if that's not enough, then the Talbot kiss is writing and writing and writing and writing, and it keeps adding and adding and adding and adding, and the all becomes overwhelming, which is even in addition to what God said, but it was an overhanging cloud. 
in Moses' day of one question. Did I really follow all the instructions for the correct offering to God? That was the cloud. Did I really do it? For you, the book of Leviticus would be a burdensome book because it left you with a lot of questions as you saw all of the instructions that's in the book of Leviticus, all the sacrifices. As you read the book of Leviticus and you just got through the first five chapters there, you would see that there were five offerings, five offerings you had to offer. And you'd be continually plagued with this question as you would read the Leviticus 1 and you would realize, I have to offer the whole burnt offering That's the first one. Leviticus chapter one teaches, you need to offer the whole burnt offering. And the question, did I have the correct whole burnt offering? As detailed Leviticus one. So here's some questions. Leviticus one, one, first verse in the book. And you would ask the question, was the animal really the best one in my herd? Maybe there was a better one. What if it wasn't? Did I really, did, wait, wait a minute. Did I remember to put my hands on the head of that burnt offering? I can't remember. What if I didn't? And then you'd come to verse 11, Leviticus 1.11. Did I make sure the blood of my whole burnt offering was sprinkled around the altar? What if it wasn't? And then you would, you would go on and then you would, with those questions hanging over you, don't stop now. You've got to go read Leviticus 2. And so you read Leviticus 2 and you realize, oh, there's a grain offering that I have to offer, a grain offering. And so now you'd be sitting there and you ask yourself the question, did I have the correct grain offering as detailed in Leviticus 2? And these questions would plague you as the offerer as you would read in Leviticus 2 verse 2. Did I remember to put that oil on the flour of my grain offering before it was burned on the altar? What if I forgot? And then again in Leviticus 2, 2, you would say, did I remember to mix the frankincense in the, in the flour of my grain offering before it was off, burned on the altar? What if I forgot? And then you just, and then those questions are over you. You got questions from Leviticus 1, Leviticus 2, but don't stop. You got to go on now to Leviticus 3. And then you see there's the peace offering that you have to offer. And then you'd say, you'd say to yourself, did I really have the correct peace offering as detailed in Leviticus 3? And these questions would plague you as the offerer about the peace offering, as you saw in verse 1, Leviticus 3, 1. And you would ask the question, again, was that really the best animal in my herd? I'm sure sure he didn't have any blemish. Did I check the teeth, you know, to make sure that he didn't have any mouth disease? Did I remember to check the animal well? What if I didn't? And then you'd go on to verse 2, Leviticus 3, verse 2, and you would ask the question, did I remember to put my hands on that animal before it was killed? Did I make sure that, that, that the priest really did offer the blood of my peace offering around the altar? What if I didn't? What if they didn't? And then you'd go on to verse 4, Leviticus 3, verse 4, Leviticus 3, 4, and you would say, peace offering, I had to, I wonder, did I really remove both the kidneys and the lobe above the liver before my peace offering was burnt? What if I didn't? And then, you know, don't stop now. You go on, you read Leviticus 4, and you realize you have to offer a sin offering, a sin offering. Now, all these things, they're not optional. You can't sit there and say, you know, I'm going to go to lunch instead. This is too much. No, you can't do that. You have to do this. And so now in verse 4, you realize I got a sin offering. And so again, you read in Leviticus 4 and all the details, and you're asking yourself the question because these are plaguing you. In verse 4, Leviticus 4, verse 3 Leviticus 4, verse 3, you would say, did I make sure it was really a young bullock and not an old one? 
I didn't try to slip an old one in, did I? Did, did I make sure it was without blemish? What if it wasn't? And then in verse 4, Leviticus 4, verse 4, Leviticus 4, 4, you'd say, did I remember to put my head on the hands of that bullock? Did I make sure that I just didn't drop off the sin offering and, and, and say, you know, here, here's my sin offering. I got to go buy milk, milk, butter, and eggs right now. No, no, no did, did I really do that? And in verse 6 and verse 6, Leviticus 4, 6, uh, Leviticus 4, 6, did I do all that I could because I couldn't see this, to make sure that the priest dipped his finger in the blood of my sin offering and that he sprinkled it seven times before the veil of the sanctuary in the holy place, I couldn't go in there and see. So did I question the priest and make sure that he did? I mean, there's a lot of people here offering sin offerings. I gotta make sure my sin offering got his finger in that the blood and, and sprinkled before the holy place there. And then, and then verse seven, Leviticus 4, seven, Leviticus 4, seven. Did I make sure to make sure that the priests put some of the blood of my sin offering on the horns of the incense, the altar of incense in the holy place? I couldn't go in there, but what if I didn't? What if he didn't really when I couldn't see him? Then what? Or verse seven, Leviticus 4, verse seven, Leviticus 4, seven. Did I make sure that the remainder of the blood of my sin offering was poured out at the base of the altar? What if I forgot to make sure? I could see that. Or verses seven and eight, Leviticus 4, seven and eight. Did I make sure that all the fat was first removed? from my sin offering, and the two kidneys were removed, and the lobe that was above the liver, and it, before it was burnt on the altar. Did I make sure of that? What if it weren't? Or verses 11 and 12, Leviticus 4, 11 and 12, and you say, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Did I remember to make sure that before my sin offering was burnt, that I removed all the skin and all the flesh of the head, and with the head and the dung and the legs and all the internal organs and I took them outside the camp and I burned them there and poured out all of those ashes for the sin offering. What if I missed them? What if I forgot? Boy, with all that I've got to do here, it's better for me just to sit in the house because I can't sin because it's too much work to go do the sin offering here. It's terrible. And then you go on, you know, you go on and, you, and you'd read Leviticus 5. In Leviticus 5, you'd see, oh, I got a trespass offering that I got to offer now. And you ask yourself the questions, these questions, Leviticus 5, verse 15. Leviticus 5, 15. Make sure that that ram, it had to be a ram for my trespass offering. Again, without, without blemish. What if it had blemish? Verse 15, Leviticus 5.15, Leviticus 5.15. Did I remember, because the trespass offering is when I cheated someone. Did I remember to add to the trespass offering the correct number of shekels that represented 20% more than I cheated the person out of? What if I shortchanged him? I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe I was ignorant of what happened. How can I be sure the right amount was repaid? So you'd have a lot of questions and, 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 and basically, they all boil down to, were my five offerings done right for the whole burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering? It just, it'd be hard for you just to remember, it's just in order all those five offerings, much more, all the, much less all the details, and it just would exhaust you. And then you remember all that once, and you think, I gotta remember that over and over and over again because those sacrifices were offered over and over and over again. You feeling the burden yet of, of, of the sacrifices of all that's contained in that word all? All in Hebrews 10.10, 10. isn't this a refreshment 
to read in Hebrews 10.10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. It's finished. And so when you look at verse 10 and you look at verse 12, this is leading us up to verse 19. This one for all, it's the grand point, it's the great thing where, where we get to verse 19 when it says, having, having what? Having the one for all. Having therefore, this is a, this is a, having a Hebrews 10.10 once for all sacrifice. Having a Hebrews 10.12 one sacrifice for sins forever. So what we have here is everything covered by this once for all. And that's what it means when it said having therefore in Hebrews 10, 19. It's this one sacrifice. The sacrifice, the blood of the Lord Jesus, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, the blood of the Lord Jesus is so powerful that it silences all the demands of all the details for those five sacrifices in Leviticus 1 through 5. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus the once for all, the one sacrifice for sins forever. Now we're told that that great once for all sacrifice, that great one sacrifice of sins forever, what's gonna happen is that it gives us a boldness now to enter into the holiest of all. Uh, so this is what happens as we sit now, and, as, and, and especially when we're alone, and we just gaze at that sacrifice. Kind of like, like, you know, the, Putting your your elbow on the window sill and looking out at the at the at the, at the window at heaven, and you just gaze at the blood of the Lamb, and you realize all that He accomplished, and it gives us a confidence, having therefore a boldness. A boldness is a confidence. It's a confidence. All doubt is removed. All fear is removed. You know, it's a confidence. It's a confidence. Um, you know, we exercise a confidence every time we eat. I love to eat. I tried to keep it a secret, but I'm not doing very well at it. Because when we eat, we bite down on the food. And I love that, that moment just before you, before you bite down, you know. I mean, some of these guys came back from Israel, and, and they said that there were great hamburgers in Israel. And that aroused in me a desire for a great hamburger, you know, the better than Fuddruckers hamburger. And so... So, I mean, I mean you, I know, you probably think it's crazy, doesn't it? So anyway, so, so you know, I went home, and I, you know, I, I, I got to get the, the, the perfectly toasted hamburger bun, the potato bun, that's better. And then you build the burger with just the right perfect amounts, nothing over, nothing overcrowding, the, the mayonnaise and the, and the mustard and the ketchup and the tomato and the thick onion, so when you bite into it, it's the crunch yes. of that onion, you know. And, and a perfectly cooked burger, just enough fat, 20%, that's good. And it, just to make it taste good with the salt and the pepper. And you, get, and you build this burger and you look at it. You look at it like a lion ready to devour a gazelle. And you think to yourself, that's the last time that burger's going to look like that. I guarantee it. And so when you go for that first bite, which is always the best, by the way, that first bite in that burger, you have con- complete confidence that your teeth are going to work. And, and, you know, and, and, and your teeth, you, you know, you're sitting there saying to your tooth, you up to chew in this burger? And your teeth says, yes. And you, who, who invented the hamburger? You should get the Nobel Prize, that person. Anyway, before you bite into that burger, you can say, okay, b- teeth, do your job. That is the picture, not exactly that one, but similar. That is the picture that God gives in Proverbs 25, 19. 
Proverbs 25, 19 says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth that is out, or and a foot that is out of joint. How many of you ever had a broken tooth? I have. Have you ever had a broken tooth? Yeah, that's no fun. Because you know when you got a broken tooth, you tender it, and you don't, it, and you don't, you don't eat the hamburger in the same way if you have a broken tooth. Because you don't put confidence in the broken tooth. Putting confidence and reliance on the blood of the Lord Jesus is not like putting confidence in a broken tooth. You know it's going to work just like you know your teeth are going to work when you hit that hamburger. And that's the same knowledge that we have when we rely on the blood of Jesus and what it has accomplished for us to have complete appeasement with God. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, it's the book of wisdom for life, and a big factor in life is where you put your confidence. So he said in Proverbs 3.26, Proverbs 3.26, the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Proverbs 14.26, 14.26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. How do we get this confidence? How do we get this confidence? Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's just gazing, put on the windowsill of heaven, the, the windowsill. It's a gazing and take time, take time. It doesn't just happen from hearing a message or singing a song that there's power in the blood, there's power in the blood. It happens when quiet time is taken to stop all the other urgencies, all the other distractions in life, and just take time to look at the blood of the Lord Jesus and consider all that he did for us. Just like I was just mentioning those five sacrifices. Why? Because this is the key. This is the secret that God gave in Isaiah 30, verse 15. Isaiah 30, verse 15, God said to Israel, for thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of, Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness, in confidence, quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Sad, sad words about Israel. You would not. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, 
Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 